Tennessee. Praise the Tennessee area. They had some fires around his area. Oh, no, that. I was yes. praying for you around them fires. Amen. Th that area, so. Thank you, Pastor. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate the good preaching. I kind of feel like Isaiah when he said, Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm grateful for the faithfulness of the Lord. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Amen. And uh, I invite your attention tonight to the Gospel of John, uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1. I'll not be saying anything you haven't heard before, but simply what the Lord has impressed our hearts about. I'm grateful that when, uh, when we were born physically, that God gave us a will. It is called a free will. We're not free will Baptists. We're, we're Baptists with free wills. Yeah. Ananias said to Saul after his conversion, he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will. See the just one. Hear his voice. Be his witness. And it always comes in that order. See his face, hear his voice, be his witness. Paul again said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them the lost. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Then he said, for we preach not ourselves. But Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And can I say to you, it'd be a great day when you come to, come to the grips with the fact that we're not in competition with each other. We're just serving the same God, washed in the same blood, going to the same heaven. Amen and amen and amen. John's Gospel chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 14 verses if you'll follow along in your Bible. Again, I say, I say these are familiar texts, but I, I, want to, I want to suggest to you that all the Scripture ought to become familiar with us. And I, I am one of those who believe that it's impossible to be filled with the Spirit without being filled with the Word of God. Dr. Lee Robertson once said, regardless of how intelligent or spiritual you might be, you can only think one thought at a time. And so may God help us to keep our minds stayed upon him. John's Gospel, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He didn't say a woman sent from God named Joyce. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man. Not some men or many men, but every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Notice verse 18. He said in verse number 18, well, verse 16, he said, and of his fullness have we all received in grace for grace. Verse 18, he said, no man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And so I, I want to preach a little while tonight on the glory of God. The, the glory of God. And, and so I, I'll take some time to talk about the glory of his person. And then a brief time on the glory of his power. And then a segment on the glory of his passion. And then finally, the glory of his present position. I believe in the second coming of the Lord Jesus. I'm convinced that some folk are not too excited about the second coming because they've never got the first coming straight. Y'all all right? I, I, was, I was not raised in church, but I, I'm saved by the grace of God over 61 years ago and thought I'd report to you that it's holding real good. I, I'm not climbing up the rough side of the mountain. I trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. He saved my soul, and faithful has he been to me. Amen. Amen. And so here's what the Bible said. In the book of 2 Timothy 2 and 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. No such thing as being born again, again, again. But you must be born again. And can I say to you, it was the Holy Ghost of God that convicted me of my lost condition. It, was a, it wasn't a preacher man. Thank God for preachers. I am one of those, amen. But it was not the preacher that does the convicting. It was the spirit of the living God that settled in my soul and said, you're lost and on the way to hell. And he pointed me to the Lamb of God. In John 3, 6, I was born of the spirit. Amen. And it's the Spirit of God that enables me to live a victorious life. It is the Spirit of God that teaches me the word of truth. It's the Spirit of God that fitted me for another world. And could I tell you, he who fitted you for another world, you won't ever fit in down here again. Our citizenship's in heaven, amen. Y'all are. 
And so uh, the incarnate Christ displays his glory. Now, Paul said, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you, you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. And we've got, uh, we've got too much, are, are you listening carefully? We've got too much personality religion tonight. And uh, folks are looking for those to follow them, following them, following, building a, building a follow of them for themselves. Could I say it was Jesus who said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And could I say it's not about you and it's not about me. It's not one part, what part of the world you live in. It's all about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. And so glory is associated with his birth, with his future appearances. And in John's gospel, the incarnate word is seen in all its glory. These aspects, the glory of his person, glory of his power, glory of his passion, and the glory of his present position. I believe the coming of Christ is going to be suddenly. I believe it'll be a surprise. But I believe it will be soon. Amen. He is coming again. Now notice with me, John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the display of glory, when viewing the Lord Jesus, he's the eternal word made flesh. It seems that the reference is to the person and character of our Savior, and he's full of grace and truth. In verse number 18, he said, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son was in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared it. And so the Son who resides in the Father's bosom reveals the invisible God. No one has seen God at any time. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I say this in the book of Hebrews chapter number 1. I want us to read a verse or two there in that book of Hebrews chapter number 1. And, uh, and we'll look at this, uh, this passage just for a second. In Hebrews, breaking in a new Bible, and the pages are sticking together. And it slows me down just a little bit. But in, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at sundry's times in a diverse manner spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in his last days spoken unto us by his, how did he do that? By his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and express image of his, of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by by himself purged our sin. It's not Jesus and the blood of bulls and goats. It's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And, and by the way, he alone purged our sins. And, and listen, he's, uh, uh, he sat down with the right hand of the, thro- uh, the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And I say to you, the Son, are you listening? The Son of God is more than just a messenger. He is the message. This is my hymn book. It's all about him. From the first word of Genesis to the last word in the book of the Revelation, it is all about him. And so that was Paul's purpose. He said, we preach Christ 
crucified. Now, notice with me again. The Son is more than the messenger. He's the message, and so he's the brightness of his glory and express image of his person. And so John's account of the incarnation is summed up in four words. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. And the Lord Jesus uh, the Lord Jesus tabernacle with man, and like the Old Testament tabernacle, God's glory was resident in him. John could say that the glory of the only begotten, the one and only of the Father, was made visible. It was the glory of his person, the moral glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory shown in all that he did, and in all that he said. I'm saying it was displayed, how? In grace and truth. And by the way, that's the way it's always displayed, by grace and truth. The Lord Jesus was the embodiment of grace. Amen. Somebody said, uh, what is grace? Well, my friend said, grace is any movement that God makes toward man. And I say, amen. It was divine grace that saved us and discerning grace schools us and daily grace sustains us and departing grace will satisfy us. Amen. Thank God for the good grace of our Lord. In the Gospels, grace is associated with the person of Christ. It speaks of his character. In Titus 2.11, he talks about the grace of God that's... uh, that, that teaches us how to live. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live righteousness and soberly in this evil world. And so grace was revealed on the earth in the person of Christ, and grace brings salvation to all men. I believe Jesus Christ tasted death for every man. I don't believe he predestined anybody to go to hell. The word predestined in John chapter in Romans chapter number eight has to do with the believers being conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a promise of the Lord. Amen. And and so I say this grace brings salvation to all men. His lips was filled with grace, so that his words were gracious words. And again, he he was an overflow of the abundance of grace, the superabounding grace. Verse 16 said, and of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. It was a display of grace in touching the lives of others that that led the crowd to say, he hath done all things well in Mark 7 and 37. And again, I'm reminded that Peter spoke of him in the book of 1 Peter 1, verse 21 and 22. The Lord Jesus never had to uh, retract a word that was spoken. Dr. Harold Sattler said, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? And he said, God never said, oops. But listen, I, I'm telling you, he's our, he's our God. Just one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so Allah's not God, Mohammed's not God, Buddha's not God, but Jesus is God. He's who he said he was. And so the Lord Jesus didn't have to retract a word or apologize for saying a wrong thing. It was true of him that his speech was always seasoned with grace. And that's what Paul exhorted the believers at Colossae in the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians in verse number six. Then the Lord Jesus was also truth. He said in John 14, six, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And it was John writing, he said, uh, said uh, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God wants us to know the truth about him. He's not a cross between Grandpa and Santa Claus. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a sovereign God. He's a mighty God. And if you're saved, he's your God. Psalm 48 verse 14. This God is our God forever and ever. He'll be our guide even unto death. And so he's displaying glory. It's manifest in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ was truth in the flesh. As the eternal God, eternal word was manifested in the flesh, he could say, I am truth. God's word is truth. Best Havner talked about the man who just preached and preached and preached and preached and almost said something. I like a man to open the Bible, tell me what's wrong, tell me how to get it right. It's not enough to just tell me what's wrong. I need to know how to get it right. And ultimately the decision rests upon me. The exercise of my will, my choice. Amen. And, and so he could say, I'm the truth and God's word is truth. Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, John 16, 13. And the Lord Jesus Christ is truth. Truth by its very nature is absolute and truth by its nature is exclusive. That it contains the idea of truthfulness, which is seen in the character and the conduct and and conversation of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the the glory of his person, while uh, it was on full display while he walked on this earth. Never a man spake like this man. The glory of his person. But I want you to see maybe if you could turn to chapter 2. And let me just reference a verse or two in John chapter 2. This is the account of the marriage supper in Cain of Galilee. Jesus was invited and his disciples were invited. And while, while they were there, they ran short of wine. And Mary said to the servants, Whatsoever he, speaking of Christ, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. We don't know the servants' names. We don't know how many the servants was. We know there was at least two. But whatsoever he saith in you, do it. And could, could I say, in, in, in recognizing the, the glorious power, his works or his power did what? Manifested his glory. His works, his power. Uh, this is first of seven miracles in John's gospel, and these were performed before the death of, death of Christ on the cross, and these, these uh, signs or miracles demonstrated the power of God, the power to transform from the inside out. And by the way, that's where it always starts, on the inside. On the inside is where it starts. It's a fact, it's illustrated, there's six water pots there, and they're empty water pots. They're, they could be symbolic of the religious ritual. They, they might have looked good. They were six water pots, they were empty pots, but it could benefit them nothing. So Jesus said to those two servants, fill the water pots with what? They didn't need water. 
They're out of wine. So he said, fill the water pots with water. And they filled the water pots right up to the tippy top. And Jesus did an inward, unseen work that transformed that water into wine. Nicodemus came to the Lord by night. And he said, we know that we know thou, that you must be of God for the miracles that you've done. And the Lord Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus is religious. Nicodemus is uh, without hope, without help. And he comes to the one who can do an inward work. And could I say every time God does an inward work, it does not remain unseen. It's like old Dr. Lakin used to say, if you get a good dose of old time religion, it'll break out on you every once in a while. It'll be like the measles. You can't help it. It'll show. A matter of recognizing that, that inward work, that inward work inside to replace the emptiness with joy. Six water pots were there for the religious purposes. The outward and religious manifestation of, of righteousness. These pots were empty, much like the Jewish religion. They were devoid of reality. The Lord Jesus did an inner, unseen work that transformed water into wine. That's what happened to me when I got saved. The Lord Jesus Christ did an inward work. It was unseen work. But it didn't remain unseen. God began to work in me and through me. And he manifested his glory in the salvation of a hell-bound sinner. And I say, blessed be his name. There was a, the Lord Jesus did an inward unseen work that transformed the water into wine. And this were their encounters with the six different individuals. John's gospel that could... Uh, could be represented by the empty pots. All six found that their religious life was empty. Their religious life was lacking. Their religious life was not real. And they had no joy. These encounters could be coupled together in three different couplets. Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman both found that the Lord Jesus had the answer to their longing of their souls. And they were seeking for something that would, that would not satisfy. But I'm going to say to you, religion won't satisfy. But Jesus Christ can satisfy. The nobleman's son in John chapter 4 and the man uh, with the infirmity at the pool of Bethesda both face hopeless situations that their religious beliefs could not remedy and their lives was changed when they met the Lord Jesus. It was, I want to emphasize again, it was an inward, unseen work that transformed their life. I was coming out of the elevator tonight and uh, on the way here, and a lady came past and said, you're a preacher? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. 
I, I want to say that God has a way of shining through our lives that he might get glory. That's what we want the Lord to get glory. In chapter 9, there was a blind man who was made to see again. Chapter number 11, there was Lazarus who was dead and was given life. And so both of them had need. Both of them were beyond hope. And both of them was past help. The blind man received his sight. And Lazarus was made alive. And in the case of Lazarus, the Bible said plainly in John chapter 11 and verse 4 that it was for the glory of God. The glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified in it. And so I want God to be glorified through my life. And, and by the way, you, 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 uh, uh, you, you press hard to try to see what God's doing. But I'll tell you what. If God is working in you, it'll show up on the outside in your attitude and in your actions and where you go and how you dress and how you talk and how you walk. Amen. And so in all these lives, the work was unseen. It was on the inside and wholeness and satisfaction and joy was the results of it. Our brothers already referenced the verse, but in the Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, where Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I say it this way. It was God who created the hunger and God who satisfied the hunger. It's God who started the fire and God who fans the flame. It's God working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's to recognize this. The servant's part in the miracle of chapter 2 was to do what, he, what the Lord said unto them. They poured in water but had no, no power to cause any infant trans, transformation. Now, let, let me say it clearly. That's all God asks you to do is to pour in the water of the word. And you can't save them. And I and 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 I've, I I know of folks that is high pressure, trying to push folk to come to an altar, to pray a prayer, to go through some religious ritual. Could I tell you better let that you better let the Holy Spirit do that. It's the Spirit of God that does that inward work in your heart. It's the Spirit of God that'll tell you whether you're saved or lost. Amen. It's the Spirit. I, I, when I say I got saved June 14th, 1960, the Holy Ghost said, Amen. I was there when it happened. I, I'm going to say to you, no one gets saved without the Holy Spirit wooing and drawing. And He never saves anybody against their will. I say to you, I don't believe you get saved anytime you want to, but you never get saved until you want to. And so they poured in the water, but had no power to, to change any, anything inside. So it is today. Believers are to do what? Share the gospel, pouring the gospel into empty vessels by the witnessing of their faith in Christ. The inner unseen work is done by the Lord Jesus. I want God to work in me. Now, I, I, I can't be saved. Jesus didn't say, marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again and again and again. But he did say you must be born again. And so it's God. Every soul that is saved is a miracle of grace. It's a miracle of grace through faith. So no one can boast. All the glory goes to God. Let me mention two other little thoughts and I'll stop. The glory of his person 
the glory of his power, but the glory of his passion is related. 12th chapter of John, verse 27 through 28, chapter 13, verse 31 and 32. The aspect of his glory is introduced in John 12 and in John 13, and in response to the request of the Greeks on the feast day, they cried out and said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. By the way, could I tell you, if you're not hungering to see him when you come to the house of God, there's something wrong in the spiritual department of your life. We, we, it's joy to be able to fellowship together and meet new people and rejoice in the preaching of the word. But, oh, I want to see him. I want to see him high and lifted up. I want to see him, listen, demonstrate, manifest his power and his presence in our head. And when that happens, God will be glorified, sinners will be converted, and saints can be revived. But it is God that does the work. We're just servants of the Lord Jesus. And, uh, and, and so I, I, uh, up until this time, Jesus has said, my hour has not yet come. Uh, my time has not fully come. But in the 12th chapter, verse 28, his prayer is uh, for the glory of the Father's name. The glory of the Father's name, the response from heaven is that it has been glorified and it will happen again. And in context, the cross is in view. In John 12, 24, he said, except the corner of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. I believe Jesus is, is uh, looking toward Calvary. It's, it's talking about the cross as well as the resurrection, as well as the ascension that, that, uh, uh, that, uh, that is presented. And also the subject of the Lord's Prayer, John 17, 1. The glory of the cross, first and foremost, to, that, to the Father's will was accomplished. Beyond that, his attributes were displayed in, how, here's how they're displayed, in mercy, mercy and truth. Mercy and truth have met each other. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. The love of the Father is fully seen at the cross. At the cross, at the cross. Where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. Now I'm happy all the day. What a difference it made. And, and I say, the love of the Father is fully seen at the cross in that he gave his only son as a sacrifice for sin. For he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so the cross is also to the glory of the Lord Jesus and redemption at the cross. Listen, at the cross, he was the sacrificial lamb. He was a substitutionary offering. He was a shepherd who died for the sake of the flock. At the cross, he defeated Satan's power over death. He freed us from the bondage of, hallelujah. He freed us from the bondage of, and fear of sin. He satisfied the just demands of God and paid the price in full for our sin, our sins. Tis done, tis done. The great transaction's done. I am my Lord's and he is mine. The Father glorified the Son in the cross and ever since then His people have given Him glory because of His love for us and the redemption that we find in Him. And through all eternity, worship and glory will be given to the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The glory of His person, the glory of His power, the glory of His passion, but the glory of His present position. I want you to see with me again this, this passage in the 17th chapter of John 
And let me just read that one verse. He said, verse 1, These things spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. And so here's the further request of the Lord. Jesus, in regards to the glory of the cross, he said in verse 5, notice what he said in verse number 5 of, of our chapter, John chapter 17 and verse number 5. Mm. I know they didn't glue these together. Notice verse 5. He said in verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And so the request has to do, are you listening? The request has to do with the restoration of his former glory in view of the finished work on earth. This is positional glory. Jesus is not on the cross. He's not in a tomb, not in a manger. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, he's able to save to the uttermost them that come to God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Positional glory. He was, he's given an exalted place. He's seated at the right hand in heavenly place. The Lord Jesus is now at the right hand of the majesty on high. Seeing then we have a high priest, a great high priest that's entered into heaven. He's there representing you and me, interceding for us. He is over all things. He is the head of the church. He's over all things. He's the head of the church. He has a more excellent name than angels, a name in which is above every name. He's a great high priest. He's a chief shepherd. He's the heavenly bridegroom, and he's a soon-coming Savior. And to those who know him, to those who know him, are looking to see him. We're, we, we don't want to be ashamed at his coming. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Moses said, I've got a testimony I'd like to give you, children of Israel, just before he just before he passes off the scene. In Deuteronomy 33, 27, he said, The eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are their everlasting arms. That word underneath means below the bottom are their everlasting arms. I see the unlimited strength of his arms. There's nothing, no nothing, that our God can't do. He has all power. I see not only that, I see the ultimate stretch of that arm. It can reach any person, any place. And I see the unending stability, the endurance. He helped me when I was saved one year, but he helped me every day along the way. God is our refuge and help, very present help in time of need. And let's give him glory and praise. Our Lord said when he was tempted of the devil in Luke chapter 4 verse 8, he said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And you can't serve until you worship. 
and we've kind of got it out of order. We're to worship Him and serve Him faithfully. And our goal is to lift up the Lamb of God that others may see Jesus in you and me. To God be the glory. Lord, bless we pray these stumbling words. And would you get glory for yourself. I pray that you'd help us to be conscious of who you are and your claim upon our lives. Father, forgive us where we fail thee. We plead your blood for cleansing. And I ask you to create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Keep us usable for thee. May we be faithful to you till you come for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.